Hey, welcome to the club. Before we begin, I'd like to introduce our podcast and explain what we do. We will go over mysterious and unsolved cases, a bit of the paranormal, and of course, conspiracies. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and any other podcast provider. Also, a new episode of The Cloak comes out every Monday. So don't forget to join the conversation on Facebook forward slash The Cloaked Podcast and catch us on Twitter at The Cloaked underscore. And don't forget to like and rate us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends. And now on with the show. Sharknado, the comeback kid. Baby shark. Baby sharks. <laughs> Revenge. Sharknado, my Shark Sharknado. Sea turtles and. Why are we And then it comes. And then it comes. Then there's a spinoff, right? It's not even about the sharks anymore. It's about you know starfish, bro. Starfish. Starfish. You know the worst part about it. With lasers. Who's who's in it? Tara Reid. Yeah, oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Consistently in all those movies. She's I mean, in all of them? Hey, good for her. Oh, she yeah. has a job. I thought she's not going. I thought she was dead already, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked that is fucked up. And but speaking true. and speaking of, I thought it was dead. Uh, product, uh, what is it called? Pterodactyl. It's because it has a P in it. And I was, I'm always like, why is it in there? Oh, why is there a P? Oh, it's like gnats. Awesome. Gnats. Gnats. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there was a pterodactyl spotted in Texas. Really? Yes. Oh, the first I one. Yes. Part, part uh, it looks like this place called... Pterodactyl has a P in it? What? Yes, it has a P in it. Um, That's stupid. It's from San Benito. San Benito, man. Where is that? I don't know. Let's see, man. San... Is it by Alaska? It's... I have no idea. Texas. Is that real? Anonymous San Benito man on Thursday said that his that he was at his father's farm and his friends when an event happened. This back in 2015 though. Brownsville? Um next to Oh in the valley. Right, not familiar with this valley area. Um this eyewitness says a strange (coughs) bird disappeared into what looked like a wormhole. The what? fuck is happening now? Yeah, well, we always talked about these wormholes in the sky that open and close. And maybe that's how aliens or UFOs tra- travel. Or how boats and aircraft disappear. Because we always said, like, oh, what if the idea of, like, these UFOs are, like, time travelers or just, like, some kind of, like, tourist thing <laughs> from a different area, <laughs> a different galaxy or some you're, shit? You're right there, man. If we go into the past, they See, had these well, creatures on the earth. We don't need them anymore, right? We don't need them. But why is it here? Because they probably flew into a portal that was left open. So somewhere else. Just to be in. Yeah. I mean. I mean. What's the last pterodactyl that existed? No idea. The Jurassic. The Jurassic period. Yeah. Sixty-five million years ago. Right. If we've learned anything from Jurassic Park, the movie, I think it's 65 million years ago. Yeah, that's funny. But pterodactyls, they, they were, I mean, how big were they? They were, like, they were huge. Remember, you, do, you, do you remember all those, like, sightings that were happening in the Midwest? Every, like, from, everywhere from, like, Louisiana all the way to, like, Nevada? About, like, giant bird? 
like this giant bird in the sky taking up like livestock and just taking yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Is that so big? what if it was a pterodactyl this whole time and it wasn't? Well, that's you know, where the, the thunderbird comes the from. The thunderbird, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, oh, really? The thunderbird, yeah. And the way they described it was like, well, what if it's a pterodactyl? This has always been an opinion. What is that? That, that finger. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> it's the ad that's popping up. It's the ad. What, what is it? This is, what the fuck does it look like? Yes, it was giant. Yeah, Can you imagine riding yeah. that? Or having one of those? Like that, that could take you. It could pick you up. <laughs> pick you up super high and then just drop you. Because that's sometimes how they kill. It looks like a pelican and a... Uh, just a big-ass pelican. Like big- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big-ass <laughs> pelican. Like a pelican and a bat. Or a, yeah, yeah. Or right. a giant like duck. Reptilian and it's got that weird spider. It's a duck, it's a actually. I think the... Yeah, big right? I think it, 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 I think it's a duck. It's a crazy brother. ass bird. That's what I'm calling it. Crazy ass bird. bird. So, going into our topic, um, Alistair Crowley. Very fascinating shit. Uh, very long. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of stories. There's a, a, you travel into one aspect and you go into like. You go into the U.S. whenever he lived there, or you go into Europe whenever he lived there, or Italy, or Paris, and he has a tons of stories. Um, he lived in New York for a while, and um, he, he had quite quite the life, right? And so, you know, it's one of those topics that we picked, and I think is very interesting because it, it has a, a great range of variety. And so we'll, we'll dive into this topic. I'll, I am your host, White Al. It's John Dora. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Hoffman. And so, Alistair Crowley, born Edward Alexander Crowley, uh, October 12th, 1875. He died December 1st. Uh, he was an English occultist, ceremonial magician. I laugh at that because, like, the different varieties of ceremonial magician, one being a sex. Oh, he was into the sex. The bro. sex ma- magic thing. Why he was deeply interested in sex rituals. It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut <laughs> to sex. Uh, no, no, it's a shortcut. Well, to, uh, not just maybe that, but like he thought that it's. Well, there's a lot of like different writings and stuff with like different. Yeah. Uh, it, opens up, uh, it, it creates energy. It creates energy. Yeah. Other yeah. Um, demonic entities and all that shit. Oh, it's a, it's a variety of things. But he was also a poet, a painter, a novelist, and a mountaineer. Random. Um, he found a religion, Thelema. Uh, identifying himself as a prophet, um, Thelema is like a. To me, like when I read it, it sounded like a, the, the secret. You know, yeah. you know what I'm talking about, or the, the will. Also, the thing is, he's influenced a lot of things. Yes, a lot or of it has come out from it. A rabbit he took from. Yes, so. which is like, g- kind of with. You know, kind of genius of an idea, right? Bringing a lot of things together. Um, he thought about guiding humanity into the eon of Horus in the yeah. early 20th century, which that was like a whole other thing that he brought into. And he co-founded, a, you know, kind of what Pandora said, and he co-founded a lot of, a lot of like cults, a lot of groups. Well, right? he, he wanted to bring a new age in religion, right? Like Christ was dead. Yeah. Now the new king, where he's trying to bring Satan as the king, right? He denounced Christianity in that book he made up, right? The book of law. 
the book of law yeah and so the, one of the things that it's very interesting um i think a lot of that had to do with his parents like rejecting it was almost mostly rejecting his mother he uh, thought that when his father died that it didn't make sense and it wasn't fair yeah and that whatever he was taught was rubbish yeah see he was obviously close to his dad right because uh, that kind of drove him into like going into different aspects and different avenues of of what's out there. Um, he was a really good writer. Obviously, he had diaries of his life. Um, he kept a good track of that. Um, his family was wealthy. Uh, there were Christians, right, fundamentalists. Uh, he was educated at the University of Cambridge, um, where he focused in uh, poetry and, I guess, like knowledge into mountaineering. I don't know. Um, he had several publications during his time in Cambridge. Uh, he was allegedly involved with the British intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tried. And, well, side note, um, he was good friends with Ian Fleming, who was also mm-hmm. British intelligence. Um, and then he became writer, which a lot of, a lot of these people got... Uh, people do um, like Tom Clancy kind of thing mm-hmm. <clears throat> Tom as we all know 007 James Bond uh, and so they're really good friends and so a uh, very interesting thing that I found is that there's a there's also a theory that goes in with the whole Ian Fleming and and uh, oh, yeah. and Alistair and so one of the things is that they used each other right um, Fleming used Alistair for gaining insight on the people that he knew with like the whole uh, occult right and um that that to me that definitely gave him that leeway and that avenue to see some of the people that were involved in the occult and he based a lot of his villains that he ends up writing from the people he met in those like groups and those parties and whatever and so, you know, he and vice versa, Alistair met like a lot of people within the government that he later influenced to join his various cults. And so everywhere he went, he knew somebody that knew somebody, you know, kind of a thing. And so <clears throat> in 1898, he joined the uh, group, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. As we know, that was kind of what he's uh, mostly known for, right? It's a strange thing. It's kind of ironic that he joined that group to see, like, to further provide research into, right? Like, what oh, yeah, definitely. And all that. But he even, like, threw them under the bus because he thought that they weren't for real or that yes. they weren't going deep enough well, for his I, taste. Yeah, they weren't fully invested in it. And yeah, the other exactly. thing is, like, yeah. he kind of ended up doing some of the stuff that they were doing. Yeah. So it's kind of like... Yeah, it's so... It's, it's yeah. And so... Um, Later on, he he was trained by uh, Samuel Liddell McGregor and then Alan, <clears throat> Alan Bennett, who kind of trained him more into knowing the whole realm of the occult and like the demons and all these other books. They introduced him to more of the other real, uh, what's it called? The uh, more like ceremonial type of stuff. The occultists? Yeah. And so they they dove more deep into it. And so he later on moved to Bolskin House um, in Loch Ness, Scotland, which here's another thing. 
it's always been rumored that Alistair had something to do with bringing in the Loch Ness monster. Oh, no way. Um, yeah. So you're saying it's a demon. What I'm it saying is he's maybe he summoned a creature. They, they think he summoned this creature because he would go and he would practice. So this house is located like right there, not like by the lake. And so he would do all these like practices. And he sometimes when you're messing with that shit, maybe you could summon something you didn't mean to or, you know, I don't think he was expecting that. I think he just happened to bring something in. Because yeah. what if he did? You know what I mean? Didn't, awesome. didn't he not finish that ceremony? So here's the other yes. thing. is He didn't finish. The, this, this is something he constantly did. If you look at this stuff, he never finished or closed anything. So you can't just walk away. Yeah, it's, you, you start. It's like you start boiling a pot. When you start, like you're gonna well, cook, you and you just leave it there and you walk and away. Things are gonna come in. And things are gonna like you're not fucking. Gonna shut the portal off. Yeah. And so you created that portal, that energy. Yeah. And he's, and there's a lot of like wording that goes with it. Imagine like if you're not attending to that ritual, I mean, anything could go on. Well, one of the things that kind of drove him into doing all these things is that he wanted to talk to his guardian angel. Um, I don't know if any of y'all dipped into that realm deeper, and to trying to he was trying to contact his personal guardian angel. Like how he got into yeah. his stuff, or it's one of the reasons what pushed him to go even further, oh. is that he wanted to make contact with his guardian angel. Because he had a very religious upbringing. Right? Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. They were hardcore. Because kind of, his parents were fun, fundamentalists. Kind of went like completely. Direction. Very different direction. It, yes, and a lot of people attribute that to his rebellion against his mother. It's like his, and his mother and his religion. Yeah, yeah they weren't well, really, well, yeah. they weren't, they weren't really close. So you know, it's it was his dad, and then his dad's what kept the family together. And yeah. as soon as he went away, they're Bible literates, literal, literalists. Literalists. Yeah. yeah, they read the Bible and everything. It was like one for one. Yeah, there was no like uh, hypothetical. There wasn't like analogies. It was just like. No, this is what it says. This is exactly, yeah. Years are going to from the yeah. sky if you don't smile today. And they, he overcompensated. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, again, like I said, his life is pretty interesting. Uh, <clears throat> at some point, he goes mountaineering in Mexico with Oscar uh, Feinstein, Feinstein uh, before going into Hindu and Buddhist practices in India. Again, he traveled. He was well-traveled, right? And so, he married Rose... Uh, Edith Kelly in 1904. Uh, that part is very interesting because so before he goes and marries off Rose, um, he I think it was right before or after when he was in the U.S. He bought a house right in California. Um, I forget where exactly. So he buys this house where he starts performing the ritual. And one of the things is, to, in order to talk to his his guardian angel, was to summon these demons. He wanted to open up this portal in order to open up this connection, right? Yeah. And so he bought this house for various specific purposes. One of the one of the stories behind this house that he bought was there used to be a monastery. Am I saying that right? Monastery. monastery with monks and what ends up happening is so the story goes is that the monastery caught on fire and don't know the full details of why it caught on fire but these monks were trapped in there and they all died 
So he was into that. He was. <laughs> he believed that these souls were also trapped, which created this energy, which was uh, something that he needed. He needed the, the grounds to have this energy, which would help him, right? And so <clears throat> one of the things is he opened up this portal, right? And the, the thing is that he had to start in April. That's Easter, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he had to start this. And the re- the ritual would last about six months. It's a time, now he had to follow exactly how the book said. Yes. If he didn't, then shit would happen. So he had to follow step by step on time frame of when he had to do these rituals. The time had to be right. Like everything had to be exactly to what the book said. So he starts performing the ritual. Midway to him performing all this, I think I had mentioned this before, that his neighbors started complaining of all these weird things happening. Um, their people's dogs or pets or whatever, um, barking uncontrollably, out of character. People also out of character, um, so coming into like the dark side per se. And so he was doing, there was these things happening and the neighbors... Felt like there's something happening. This it feels dark, right? This uh, something's happening with the, the atmosphere. There's a change, and so the only thing they could think of is like this guy moved in, and they know him as someone who would make these practices, right? Something that he was known for. So what ends up happening is that um, got a lot of complaints. I think uh, a couple of times, several areas. In the uh, in the house caught on fire as well. Mm-hmm. So the story goes that one of his friends um, called for him that needed help uh, to his order. Right, he's like, "Hey, I need your help. Can you come over?" It was across the pond. So what ends up happening is he stopped. Right, because this is one of his good friends. So he leaves, not finishing what he was supposed to. So what ends up happening? Fucking house caught on fire, right? And shit happens. Like, all kinds of weird things start happening in the house. Uh, one of the things that he also mentioned, and him and I think he had, like, an assistant who was living with him. They would hear noises, growls. They would see, like, demon-looking dogs walking outside that they've never seen before. And they would describe these, like, hounds-looking things, like, bigger than a Great Dane, almost like the size of a tiger, like huge. And so they're like, well, we don't know what's happening. Something's being summoned. Anyways, he never finishes, right? So that's one one story. Um, so he ends up marrying this uh, Rose Edith Kelly back in 1904. For the honeymoon, they go to Cairo in Egypt, which uh, who read that he had snuck into the pyramids? Well, they broke into the uh, the great room inside the pyramid and performed a ceremony in there. He's trying to conjure up like demons, deities, and stuff like that. Yeah, and, yeah. and his wife uh, mentioned uh, was it Horus, mm-hmm. and she wasn't familiar with anything from Egypt, so they they went into the uh, museum. Yeah, to, to confirm what or to confirm that she was right. And they mm-hmm. found it in like a black statue, right? Yeah, and the, and he was like amazed. 
like how did she gain that knowledge like how did she know she like recognize something yeah well they were they like ran in they didn't stop or look around or anything she knew where to go she yeah. knew where exactly where to go those transmitted into her i mean those, those, those <coughs> what goes on it's not just manifestation but you're gaining some type of knowledge right from the outside world and so i think that's what happened because according to him she didn't know shit about egyptology or anything of the like and all of a sudden she pointed to statues and she's starting to explain well the thing that i find weird is that they're both well educated mm-hmm. and he had money so when his father passed away he got fifty thousand pounds and that was in 1887 so oh, like wow. if you inflate that to today's uh, British pound and convert it to dollars. That is eight point one eight million dollars that he re- wow. received, which is a good chunk of change. So yeah. he had money to travel. He had money to just study and do what he wanted to do. Yes, he had yeah. the time and the money to do all that. Oh well, yeah, so he had the money. He had the um, like the initiative. Mm-hmm. Right, like it all worked out for him, right? He had the money to do what he was seeking to do, right? Right, and so, um, and he started to write like he it was convenient for him to maybe pursue that option. But I don't think, even if he didn't have the money, I think he would still try. But I think because of he wasn't limited by lack yeah, of yeah, exactly, sure. no, by physical means. So he had the means to you know buy people and to, to do these rituals and whatever. So so if he didn't have the money, you think he'll be the same guy? No, he'd be the no. guy in the corner. Just in the corner like, look at that guy, three car Monty. Please, I need money to do my rituals. Get out of here. So, what led to him going to Egypt was the extended honeymoon, right? Yeah. And so, one of the things is that out of that ritual, this deity, right, came about. And so he made more contact with this Didi. Now, this Didi was Iowas, right? Iowas. Iowas. Mm-hmm. And so and during one of the rituals, uh, she kept saying that they're waiting for you. They're waiting for you. Um, part of the instructions uh, was for him to, within the three days, uh, starting on April 8th, I think it went from April 8th, 9th, and 10th. He had to show up and do this ritual thing for in order for this deity to show up. They would give instructions to him. This deity spoke on his left shoulder. And Crowley was to write what the deity was saying. Right? And so he would do this for three days, solid. And he stuck to that schedule. And so what ended up coming out of that was the Book of the Law. Yes. Yes. Right. And so, um, in the book of the law, uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, Sai, did you read into the book of the law? Well, just generally speaking, it's it's kind of um, announcing his claim to like Satan. Yeah. And denouncing Christianity, right? Because of his father's death, he he felt bitter, and so he's basically explained in the book that it's a new age of religion. So, but would would you say that it was Satan? Well, what whatever he what what was. would who who led to that? Because there's a lot of interpretations because of the iconography that shows up. Well, he uh, wasn't going against Christianity. I mean, he was going against Christianity. But so Christianity isn't all the right thing. No, but I'm saying 
think it's according to Christianity, what's the opposite of that in, in somebody's mind? In somebody's mind, I guess. The devil itself, right? Yeah. So he's conjuring up something that's completely, whether it's the devil, lamb, whoever. Yeah. I think it's more uh, counter to everything. So yeah, instead yeah. of praising a god, you're praising yourself. It's mm-hmm. more selfish. Well, and I am God? Yeah. Where's that from? Probably. I am. Where's that from? Anybody know? No. Freud. No. Um, <laughs> what is the name that they say it's God's name? According to who? According to <laughs> Jewish belief. Uh, Start with the J. Jehovah? No. no, no, no. I forget what the name is. So that's why I'm asking. Does anybody know? <laughs> I don't remember. But the the answer is in translation, in loosely translation in Latin is "I am." The question to God was, "Who are you?" I am. So in going in deep with that, you think, "Well, who is God?" I am. He's God. He's his own. Well, no, no, no. The question to yourself is, "Who is God?" I am is the answer. I Therefore, am. I am God. That's what I'm saying. Because God, and if you go into mo- different religions, God is in everyone. He's so in you. So he went into okay. the whole belief. If you're going into the idea of this deity being, if let's say, and I'm going to trip into different things, Let's say aliens created humanity, right? And in order to evolve people, you had to genetically modify them. Assuming that aliens use their DNA to modify what is now humans, and you were then contacting these people that you created, what's kind of a thing that you would say? Yeah. I'm your creator. I'm your creator. Listen. I'm also inside of you because of DNA. Yeah, DNA. Yeah. So there when you look into like ancient aliens, you go and you start dissecting that some of the idea, the ideology fits in it. If you contact something else on another realm, what is it? If they're able to contact you. If there's a variety of groups if there's a variety of species you start to think well maybe our god is our their gods maybe it's a group of scientists that created us you start to think into other problems right we're an experiment yeah we're an experiment we're a dish. yes Popular. and so what if he created like what if he created this communication thing and it's creating through a, to a different realm where somebody knows why would aliens be in another realm if they're us? Like, why would they just... It doesn't necessarily have to be us. They could just be considered, like, the Watchers. Mm-hmm. So we, they can see us, but we can't see them. Yeah. Bullshit. The Vel. Yeah. That's, like, the other thing. Um, there's a lot of other people that wrote about this Vel, right? And it's a Vel we can't see because we're not... We're not heightened to that we're sensitivity. Yeah, I guess that's what these young kids say. We're not woke. <laughs> like, our, we have the receptor. We, we have the devices to 
receive signal, but they're not tuned into those dimensions. Before. Yeah, exactly. All we see is this. Like we know, computer. we know, like a certain animals see a certain way. Yeah. Right. Because they're not fully. I think animals can see more than we can. Oh yeah, definitely. Because they're not caught up in like, you know, social media. They're not. It's when I just add like color, right? Like color's a thing. Right. We can get into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not go so far. They're able to concentrate and, and hone their skills, right? So their perceptions are a lot yeah. better than ours. Well, it's like all over the it's place. like when something's happening and they're all the animals are starting like they concentrate on a hot spot, and you know all of a sudden there's a voice coming from there. Like if you're ghost hunting, you know what I mean? Or like when an animal doesn't want to go into a house because there's something wrong they with it. it. They see something, oh, they or they the can't feel the energy, which is what we're The animals ran from the woods. There's something in the woods. Or they can sense when, like, a tsunami's coming. Yes, when they all start running together. Yeah. That's when you know. They should be running, too. Like, <laughs> should be running, too. They don't know what's going on while they're eating their steak. <laughs> when the, the Impala starts running with the cheetah, <laughs> you know, something's up. So, it, this, it, it came, so, him hearing this entity speak, he wrote this book, right? Uh, which I see it as self-actualization, right? The true will. To empower yourself. To become more, right? Mm-hmm. Don't let society pressure you into becoming something you're not. So, you know, that some re- some people could see it that way. Other people could see it differently. Um, so he wrote the, this book. And so, um, so he c- continues to travel, right? Crowley continues to travel. He goes into China. Um, he tried to climb uh, Mountain Chang... Shangxing Shunga? Am I saying that right? Is that the one where he tried an avalanche? Yes. And right? he let people die yeah. instead of helping? Yes. <laughs> Horrible. Well, no, I mean, I mean, as a climber, you're supposed to help out. You're supposed to, like, assist. not run. <laughs> Be he, brave? I mean, because you're trying to conquer and something. He literally just, all right, they're under the snow. I'm well, going to sit I'm in my gonna... tent. Drink my tea until someone comes to help. Well, I don't know how to. Yeah. Let's so, He then. Sorry. So, so after abandoning these people, he returns to Britain, <laughs> where he starts attracting the attention of. Uh, he he attracts the attention of a lot of people because he's just that kind of a persona. Uh, George Seal Jones, who is a poet, uh, he then creates the Order of the AA, which I don't know, which is I guess is, is a spinoff. His other, um, the yeah, it's a spinoff of, of Dilemma, right? The other um, religion that he started with the Book of the Law, because that's the Book of the Law spun out that religion. Um, so he's just going around, just starting up cults. That's kind of what his thing became, right? It's like he's almost like setting up franchises sure. under different names, in a way. It's like when you think, like, I'm not going to go with this company, I'm going to go with this other, other company. company? And it's just they're all the same That's company. the same company doing the same so thing. <laughs> <laughs> so after spending time, and at random, I guess he, again, tra- traveler, right? Uh, after spending time in Algeria back in 1912, he created another order, or at least helped create another order, uh, which is German-based, OTO, the Order Templi Orientis, Orientis? Um, then he again spun around and started off doing branches off this order. 
Um, he established one in Britain, Australia, and North America. He traveled in Canada quite a bit, so, you know. These are uh, linked to the Freemasons. Uh, the OTO? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Fraternal order. Fraternal? OTO? Yeah. Fraternal brother. Interesting. Bunch of dudes. Yeah. Bunch of dudes. Bunch of dudes <laughs> hanging out. Planning shit. Hanging out in a <laughs> spa. Hey, <laughs> but why? Um, Crawley then spent most of World War One in the U.S., which um, this is where some of the stuff that you hear about him, his time in British intelligence, um, him trying to infiltrate uh, a, this uh, German sympathizers, like a group called uh, the Fatherland. It was a it was like a newspaper called The Fatherland. And so he was like infiltrating these people and kind of like, you know, setting off propaganda, uh, which is like a pro, the pro-German the uh, pro movement. And so he was assisting, allegedly assisting. Uh,